Hello and welcome back to the Next Stage podcast by Web Summit. My name is Luke and today we're taking you inside the minds of business and cultural leaders from around the globe. It's Tuesday, so we're looking at some of the best and brightest minds that CollisionConf has to offer. So sit back, relax and listen in. We'll be hearing from leading minds and industry giants from all over the planet. Matt and Ashton, it's great to be chatting with both of you today. Let's dive right in. Over the couple of last few years, a lot of people have grown tired of algorithms. They've grown tired of unlawful use of personal data, and they've gotten bombarded by unwanted advertisements. Matt, can you talk a little bit about companies, how companies like Community are solving these problems? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Community was really founded on the belief that um, you know people want to and should be able to choose the conversations they want to be a part of. Uh, we believe that messaging is the most intimate and direct channel that there is. Uh, and what we're really trying to do is open up text messaging as the highest value direct to consumer channel without algorithmic interference or any of the negativity or toxicity that you find on social media platforms. Thank you. As you know, authenticity and direct connection becomes increasingly important um, to users, to consumers, fans. I'd love to hear from both of you on that same thread of text messaging. Um, what sex, what really sets text messaging apart from other forms of communication? Um, Ashton, why don't you jump in there? Thanks, Simone. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having this conversation with us. Um, what sets text messaging apart? Um, well, I think that if people look at their mobile phones, they'll notice something really interesting is it, it, within their, uh, email inbox, they probably have a red dot next to their email inbox. And that number is probably relatively high compared to the number that is, uh, by their te text message box. Um, and that number near their text message box is probably relatively high as compared to their inbound phone calls. Um, and, and if you look at your sort of inbound messages on any social network, you probably have some that you've never read and never will read. Um, because the, the, if, if we look at the sort of graph of intimacy of communication, Social media is generally the most broad graph of all. It's very, very loose tie connections. People we probably don't actually know, maybe people we just know of, or people we knew when we were in high school, like, like maybe people we don't know anymore, we feel like we know, people we feel like we have relationships with, but we don't really. Then we go to email, you probably know the person, and or you've signed up to get some information from this individual. And then if you go to text message, you know that person. And if you get a phone call, you really know that person. We're not taking phone calls from, from strangers. And so as you go down the graph, to you go up the graph to intimacy, text message is very near the top. So that becomes an extraordinary avenue for conversation um, because it's intimate, it's personal. We're used to it viscerally being a personal intimate, intimate exchange. And, and it's limited to few because you don't want your text messages blowing up all day long. So you're not gonna pollute your own inbound stream. 
And the beauty of the communication level that community has is that we allow the sender of the message to curate the signal to noise ratio that their audience is going to receive. The entire audience isn't interested in everything you have to say. But if you know your audience and community provides you a tool that allows you to know who you're messaging to, it allows you as the messenger to curate that signal to noise ratio for the people that, have, that, that you're text messaging with. And you don't want to abuse that privilege. We see using community as a privilege because if you abuse that privilege, your audience will shut you off. And so there's a lot of training that goes into having the, the, the community managers understand how to message their audience so as to keep it an intimate cha channel and keep it a channel that has a, a very, very high signal to noise ratio. I love that. I love that ability to control that and the respect, sort of the two-way respect that, that exists there. Matt, do you want to add to that? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think intrinsically, text messaging is very intimate. It's very direct. It's super scalable. Uh, a lot of what we do at Community is give our leaders a real 10-digit phone number, just like we all have as, as consumers. Um, and that's super powerful because it's authentic, it's human, it's got an area code that has an identity behind it. Um, and then from there, you know, we're really um, opening up the ability for leaders to, to, to invite their audience into the space, right? Our, our community leaders like Ashton shows up in text message right alongside your aunt or uncle or mom or brother. Um, and you're inviting them to kind of participate in this naturally you know, intimate exchange. Um, so uh, for our consumers, there's also no app to download, right? Uh, we all use text messaging every day and it's got a lot of really just intrinsic value to it, right? 95% open rates in the first three minutes. You know, we're seeing north of 60% click-through rates on links, um, which is 6.4 times higher than email or 78 times higher than social media. Um, so it's just really a super powerful medium. And I, I think to Ashton's point as well, we also believe a lot that our community leaders, it's not just about the transactional side of the relationship. It's not just about marketing or promoting or sending out notifications. It's actually about authentic human connection. Uh, we really encourage our leaders and try to build tools that allow them to start conversations, to ask questions, to understand their audience so they can always deliver and provide value. Um, and we've seen people use it in very interesting ways. Um, you know, we've had CPAs that are notifying their clients of tax season. Uh, Justin Bieber letting people know uh, he's got a new album dropping. Dr. David Agus uh, letting people know about COVID or vaccine updates. Um, so all these really interesting use cases that are now just being delivered directly and instantly, you know, without the uh, interference of algorithms. And I like the, you know, the way you talked about intrinsic value, right? And different audiences are going to find um, different value, you know, for their different value propositions for their needs, right? So, you know, community launched with big names like Kerry Washington, Paul McCartney, um, but now you've expanded to small businesses and small brands, right? So can, can Matt, can you talk more about um, how different audiences find value as well as your journey to um, being a founder of a high growth startup? For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so we launched July 24th of 2019. And a lot of what we started with was was what you identified a lot of, you know, marquee and halo leaders and media and entertainment and culture. Uh, in 2020, we started to support a lot of small businesses, um, you know, naturally la launching somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk drove a lot of 
you know, digital marketers and aspirational thought leaders and, you know, uh, di- you know digital market- marketers to want to be able to have that same experience. Um, so we've had a lot of success opening up a uh, community to the masses, more or less, um, really allowing small businesses, individuals, uh, sole proprietors, et cetera. Uh, we've also been moving increasingly more upmarket. So starting to invite uh, brands and businesses and SMBs and enterprises to participate in messaging. And I think what we're finding across the board is uh, the use case is really similar. It's almost like social media where, you know, the way Ashton, you know, leverages that channel to be able to build an authentic, you know, human connection with his audience through real and relatable content is similar to how a brand will use it, right? A brand will show up in that space and try to create those same relatable touch points. Uh, so similar with text messaging, um, we see a lot of our, you know, more personified or public figure use cases using it very similar to brands. It's about creating value and human connection and, um, you know, ultimately building something that isn't just about the transactional relationship. When you build that, that value, uh, as time goes on, when it comes time to market, or to uh, let people know about an opportunity or share a new product offering, that relationship has already exists. It already is pre-established, and uh, so we focus a lot on helping our leaders build that type of uh, uh, you know context with their audience, regardless of, of vertical. Mm-hmm. And I think you know we've seen a lot of this happen, you know, in terms of mobilizing communities for good, right? Um, yep. Ashton, you with a number of other celebrities, you've you've used community as a tool to share information, um, you know, to to help with voter registration. You know, you're mobilizing around Black Lives Matter um, as consumers become more socially aware, more conscious, how can brands like community be used to drive, you know, influence and impact? And and Matt, you alluded to some of this, but Ashton would love to hear your take. So I think it comes back to this signal to noise ratio uh, problem that we have in social media, just in general. Um, The most social platforms assume that we are one dimensional and that our audiences are one dimensional. There's an assumption by almost every social platform that exists that, that I am this one individual with this one capability and this one capacity. I am a brand that is the same to every one of the consumers of my brand. That is unequivocally untrue. So so if we, if we take a brand, let's take Starbucks, for example, right? Somebody might look at Starbucks and think, wow, this is a healthy snack option for me during the day. Somebody might look at Starbucks and go, oh, this is the place where I go and get my mocha frappa latte chino super sugar blast. Somebody might look at Starbucks and go, this is my daily ha- habit. Somebody might look at Starbucks and go, wow, this is a very sustainable, social exemplary company that is driving into the future a a society of sustainability. Somebody might look at Starbucks and go, I really respond to the ethics and values of this company. And and brands are multidimensional and consumers appreciate brands for a bunch of variable reasons. And you can look at any brand across the board. The brand is what the consumer says it is and what the consumer feels it is. So as you're relating to a customer, to a brand, I, as an individual, somebody might be a fan of my, you know, work at Thorne, uh, where we're fighting the sexual exploitation of children. 
somebody else might be a fan of that 70s show. Somebody else might have only liked two and a half men. Somebody else might be really interested in me as a tech investor. Somebody else might be really interested in me for the Netflix show I did called The Ranch. Those are totally variable audiences. And so being able to reach those audiences at their interest is really, really important because otherwise I'm berating people with the information that they're not even interested in. Like if you weren't a fan of Two and a Half Men, there's no reason for me to consistently tell you about this new Two and a Half Men launch. But if you self-identify as a fan of Two and a Half Men, maybe that's something that you would be very much interested in. And, and so, so during COVID, uh, there was obviously everybody was interested in how to make their lives better during COVID. One of the things I did was reached out to my community at, at large and asked people to self-identify as to whether or not they were parents. And then I created a sub-community within community of just parents. And I was able to message them about resources for homeschooling. I was able to message them about getting school lunches for their kids if, if it wasn't something that they could provide. I was able to message them specifically about that and about something that they were interested in, that they cared about, and not bother some 18-year-old college kid that doesn't care about how to get you know, homeschool lunches. And, and, and as brands wake up to the fact that they can do that type of hyper, hyper exact connection with consumers, they can become what consumers believe they are in, in, in a greater capacity over time. Mm -hmm. And I think taking that one step further, right? Like there's, there's the opting in, there's the self-identifying, um, there's a lot of positivity around that, right? And then there could also be a lot of pitfalls, right? How do both of you plan to ensure that community doesn't fall victim to some of the pitfalls that other tech companies um, have fallen into? Matt, let me hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with what, what Ashton shared as well. Um, I mean, I think as a, a founding principle for the company, um, you know, we don't advertise to our users. Uh, we don't sell advertising on the platform. We don't sell users personal information. Um, so a lot of what we've tried to do as a business is make sure that we're uh, really kind of building our business around providing value to both sides of our marketplace. Uh, so we help our community leaders be able to build direct, meaningful, authentic and duration, uh, relationships with their audience. And on the consumer side, giving our, our community members the ability to decide which conversations they want to be a part of. They always have agency in that decision. Um, and, you know, one of the features Ashton's talking about is this, this uh, feature called communities. Um, so naturally, as, as Ashton has conversations with his community members, whether he's uh, asking them questions in the parent example, or even if they're just telling him how much they're a fan of a particular show or a shared interest, uh, we build tech that allows uh, him to be able to now understand at scale the different interest graphs within his audience. So now when he wants to start conversations, again, he isn't just like on social media, posting it out to a wall so everybody can, can see it. Um, he's really delivering it to people that, that want and that are, uh, you know, share that interest with him. Um, one cool thing about that is it naturally uh, provides value. You're able to go deeper and uh, be more, more authentic with your audience. Um, but also it's not as susceptible to the negativity or trolling or toxicity of social media. 
Um, messaging is also a really safe environment. Every one of our community members is having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Ashton. Uh, so they feel safe to be able to reply back to him to engage in a conversation uh, without necessarily that being public on a wall or susceptible to kind of trolling or negativity. Uh, so we see significantly higher engagement rates. And I think all of that really fosters, I think, a really healthy back and forth environment. Um, and a lot of what we're trying to do is just make sure we're, we're building uh, not only that highest value channel, but also that, that safe environment for that back and forth. Um, so uh, I, I guess those are my top mind ones. Ashton, what do you, what do you got in mind? Yeah, let, me tack, uh, let me just tack on to this, this sub-community uh, conversation in, in so much as, you know, most tech platforms, and we've all watched the Netflix special on how Facebook <laughs> knows who you are better than you know who you are. Most tech platforms would take those sub-communities that are self-identified sub-communities, and they would take what I now know about my customers, and they would share that with everybody on the platform over time. So that now, you know, coffee company, cup company A has that same information that I have. That's where community really strikes, take, takes a left when other people have taken a right. Everybody goes, okay, that data now belongs to the company and the company being community. No, that data doesn't belong to community. That data belongs to the individual that has that relationship with that individual. Not to be sold, not to be given, not to be shared with any other individual on community. And, and, and the beauty of that is, is it, it creates enduring authenticity. And it doesn't, it's not like community as a company is downloading who you are and then sharing it and monetizing it. It, it isn't doing that at all. In fact, it, every new individual that signs up on community is gonna have to do the work to get to know who their audience is. Sorry, helicopter. <laughs> um, so, so, that, so I think that that is one major differentiation that will keep community from falling into the, the, some of the pitfalls that other social platforms are falling into. The second thing that I, I think is, is probably um, equally important um, is that this company is being built with an ethic and a heart that is about serving the customer, not the customer who's, who's ultimately sending the messages out, but the customer who's receiving the messages. Um, if, 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 if we wanted to just sort of maximize against pure dollar return, we, there are all kinds of tools, i.e. turning right instead of left at that last talk that, that you make, because there are other companies that are doing that, that are in, in the text messaging space, which isn't cool. And they're going to, the rubber is going to meet the road on that. The ethic that the company is being built is how do you serve the endpoint customer and give them the greatest delight possible? And the way you do that is not by pushing things to them, it's by listening and learning how people are using the platform 
and augmenting the platform continuously to meet the demands of those consumers. If it's getting too noisy and they're telling you to stop, you stop. And, 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 and you build tools to continue to, to delight the customers over time, the endpoint customers. And, and that is what's gonna excel this company to another level. So you first launched in 2019, I think July, you said, right? You've continued to scale during COVID, which is no small feat, you know? And I think um, sort of the intentionality that you've approached community with um, has helped there, right? But tell me, some, what are some of the biggest challenges and opportunities that you faced during this time? Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been an unprecedented time. Um, I think what's been interesting is uh, as a business, you know, everyone has kind of lost the traditional touch points they have with their customers of their audience, right? Like artists aren't playing on stages, businesses aren't, you know, welcoming people into the doors. Um, naturally, it's made social media and the digital landscape a lot noisier. Everyone is really competing for attention. There's a lot more happening. Uh, everyone's trying to figure out how to build relationships with their audience and drive value when you don't have the normal business as usual. Um, so we've seen a ton of demand, uh, you know, from the platform, um, folks wanting to create new, interesting, uh, unique experiences uh, with their audience. Um, we've had a ton of demand for folks that are trying to uh, figure out a way to have, you know, a direct relationship with their audience without that that competitive nature of social media, uh, you know, competing against the algorithms and attention spans and the feeds. Um, I think additionally, like coming out of COVID, naturally, uh, everyone's going to be trying to get back to, you know, business as usual as quickly as possible. Um, if you think about it, it's going to be incredibly busy and noisy then too, when everyone's trying to get you to come back to their store or their event or their show. Uh, I think the businesses and the and the community leaders of ours that are really going to win are the ones that are taking the time right now to invest in building this relationship and fostering it and having a direct um, you know contact with your community. Uh, so when it does come time to cut through that noise and to you know uh, get back to the things that you had pre-pandemic. Um, you've already got that base built. You're not going to be competing on the same algorithms or feeds that everyone else is. You're going to have a direct line of communication. Um, so that's definitely been one piece. I, I think from a company perspective, um, it's been pretty interesting. We were able to, to flip full remote in March of 2020 when everything shut down. Um, we did a really good job. Luckily, we've had a pretty remote and distributed team. So we had a lot of best practices. Uh, being said, keeping up with the growth of the business has been uh, an awesome learning experience. We've more than doubled in size since, um, you know, there's people in the company, even executives that I've yet to meet in person, which is just a wild experience if you think about it. Um, but it's been incredible to see everyone come together and support each other. Um, and every day we just continue to, you know, I, I think take everything head on and learn and grow together. And um, the culture and the, and the vibe of the company has been incredible. I'm grateful for the entire team and wouldn't be here without them. I think that the, the really in interesting thing about this whole experience has been that when we talk about the, the intimacy graph from social to email to text, <laughs> the most intimate exchange that a person can have is in person. And that's been the very thing that was taken away from everyone. And the very thing that, you know, I, I miss the most is like being able to go and look and see and connect with fans it's the very thing that businesses have missed the most is like being able to actually have a conversation in person with your customer 
and have them feel your product and be there with you. But there's been there's been a different level of intimacy that has been created, which is I, Simone, I'm in your bedroom right now. I, th I think that's the corner of a bed there, right? And I'm in Matt's room with his guitar right now. And <laughs> and and what we've realized is that these virtual connections can be just as intimate and sometimes even more intimate than the the in-person face-to-face connections. And text message where 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 we can be vulnerable and connect and it's one-to-one -one and nobody else is looking at that communication except for the sender and the receiver, that opens up a, a level of connectivity that is private and intimate and powerful. And, and I think that we're gonna see over as we come out of this, that that connection is really enduring and, it's, and, and that is going to last. Well, thank you. Ashton, Matt, uh, congratulations. I am sure it was not easy <laughs> to get where you are today with community. I thank you both for your time and your thoughtfulness in, in this conversation. Um, and we thank everyone for joining us. Back to you, Toronto. Thanks for listening. And if you want to hear more about these topics firsthand, or you want to let us know what you want to hear, be sure to check us out on any of our social media accounts or visit websummit.com. That's websummit.com.